weather tech for a new decade. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Mike Wolfenbarger, Vice President of Mobile Development for the Weather Group at DTN. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Tanya. Thanks for having me on. Of course. How is DTN involved in the science and data of weather? Well, DTN is a, a full services uh, private weather company. We provide everything from, from human forecasting services to numerical forecast models to uh, software applications on both web and mobile devices to alert people about weather conditions, uh, let them know how weather is going to affect uh, the conduct of their business. Severe weather season is upon us in the U.S. In normal U.S. economy, what is the dollar value of weather impacts and the weather industry in general? Well, of course, with uh, with a busy weather season, whether it's tropical weather season or convective storm season uh, here in places like Oklahoma and the South, uh, it can certainly range up into the billions of dollars a year. Uh, that can be uh, extreme impacts like destruction of property and loss of life, or it can be uh, conveniences, things like baseball games rained out and soccer games that don't get played and uh, outdoor events that can't be held. So it really runs the gambit from uh, uh, inconveniences to to uh, disruption of business to uh, loss of life and destruction of property. What entities create the source data for consumer and enterprise weather decision making? Well, we collect data from entities all over the world. Uh, in the United States, a lot of that comes from NOAA and NOAA's National Weather Service. Uh, they have uh, offices all around the country, but they also have some important offices right here where we're located in Norman, like the Severe Storms Labs and the uh, uh, Storm Prediction Center, where they where they collect data, do research, design radars and weather satellites, and to, to collect a lot of the base data that we use every day. So a lot of that does come from government sources, but then we take that data, uh, we add value to it, we uh, run algorithms on it to try to, to help people know how that how the weather conditions are going to affect them specifically wherever they happen to be. On what, on that topic specifically, how does the data flow into the models? I mean, how many models are used to produce the forecast we're most likely to see? Well, most forecasts these days use what they call an ensemble approach. So they run several different forecast models and then blend that output together. Uh, and of course, different models work uh, well in different situations. Some are, are what we call a mesoscale model. So they're working on a smaller domain. Some are more global. So they're, they're, uh, they're lower resolution, but, but cover a larger swath of the planet. So it's really a combination of a lot of different models that are good at predicting different things. Uh, and there's a human element that comes into that too, to figure out not only how to, how to run and operate those things, but how to combine them. And, and which ones are the best to use. Uh, if you rely solely on a, a computational forecast, you may not get the most accurate information uh, for a hyperlocal, you know, for a specific location. So uh, it's a combination of, of computer technology and, and intelligent humans to, uh, to get the best forecast. To what extent is crowdsourced weather data produced by consumer-grade weather stations and mobile devices used in, in real-time weather reporting? Um, some companies do that. We, we uh, don't ingest a lot of that from mobile devices, but we do get, get what we do crowdsource from mobile devices or weather reports. So uh, 
people can provide, uh, for instance, the Severe Storm Lab runs a program that we uh, support inside our apps called uh, called Mting, and and it's just a way for somebody to very quickly open up their phone or their watch and say, hey, I'm experiencing hail or light rain or heavy rain or snow, and that helps the Weather Service tune their algorithms that, that look at radar data and, and try to predict what type of precipitation you're having. Is it freezing or not? Is it snowing or is it rain? Um, there are a lot of, of consumer grade weather stations out there across across the country and across the world. And those certainly get ingested into models. Um, you have to run some quality assurance on those to make sure that that you're ingesting good data uh, with any with any automated weather station. So that certainly gets done too. What are some examples of the best gadgets and apps that non-weather experts can use to stay on top of important weather information today? Well, weather information is, uh, is certainly one of the most commonly used uh, types of information on a cell phone. If you ask people, if you see these surveys, or what do you use your cell phone for? Your smartphone, weather's going to be right near the top. Uh, there's so many ways to get weather information. There's a lot of free sources out there, either through apps or uh, your local TV, which is often going to give you, you know, your local, your local meteorologist is going to be an expert, not just in the weather, but in your local area. Uh, he knows your terrain, he knows the type of weather you get, so that's always a good source. Uh, but you don't always have that person in your pocket, and you do have your smartphone in your pocket or your smartwatch on your wrist. Uh, we make several apps for that. RadarScope is our most popular uh, app that we sell to consumers. It, it fits a niche between a professional and a consumer market. We call it a, a prosumer app. Uh, it, it takes the the capabilities that a professional meteorologist would use in a forecast office and puts it, puts it on your smartphone in your pocket. What new technologies are around the corner in this, maybe this decade that will take weather prediction or reporting? I mean, we always give the weatherman a hard time, right? But what, what's going to take it to the next level? Sure. Um, well, you know, I think in the, if you look at the previous decade, the thing that's just been amazing has just been not only the, the advent of the smartphone and that it's, that it's a thing, but that now everyone has one. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the things I like to talk about is that we all have a supercomputer now and we carry it around in our pocket. And so the last 10 years, that's been the most amazing thing. And I think there's still a lot to come with that just in terms of people are so much more connected now that we can get instant information to them very quickly. For instance, we have app, uh, mobile apps that, that provide uh, push notifications for lightning strikes. So we can notify somebody with one of those apps uh, that a lightning strike occurred within five miles of their location, oftentimes before they hear the thunder. So we, sometimes we get in between the, the, the visible lightning strike and the sound that follows it. Uh, so, you know, that's just been amazing uh, to be able to do that. Uh, cloud computing certainly plays a role because as we've gone from alerting, uh, maybe having customers where it's a few hundred people in operations centers that need to know the weather and then they disseminate that to everyone else. Now everybody's got a smartphone uh, in their pocket. And so instead of notifying one person that then notifies 10,000 employees of a company, we can go directly to all 10,000 employees and get right to their pocket. But to do that, you need to be able to scale. And uh, so cloud computing plays a huge role in that because we don't need, you know, if a, if a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm watch comes into a major metropolitan area, uh, we need to scale up capacity very quickly to be able to notify millions of devices uh, that something's happening. And so that's been a big role. Um, improvements over the last 20 years in forecast models and their accuracy and their ability to forecast uh, more at the local level, you know, what's going to happen and how far out. Um, 
for severe weather, one of the most important things is lead time. Uh, and a lead, being able to extend lead time for a warning, say of a tornado or severe hail or wind, even being able to extend that lead time by just a few minutes can be the difference between somebody getting to, to a safe area. Uh, so anything we can do that improves that lead time uh, is, is gonna be a benefit. Mike Wolfenbarger, Vice President of Mobile Development for the Weather Group at DTN. Thanks for joining us. If somebody wants to maybe connect with you, Mike, maybe maybe they want to get your app. How can they do that? Well, our app, Radar Scope, is available on uh, Apple's App Store and on Google Play. Just search for Radar Scope, um, just like it's just like it sounds. Uh, you can also find us in Radar Scope on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, you can visit our company website at DTN.com. All right. Thanks again, Mike. And you can find more of my interviews right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.